I feel like a lot of the things that meant the most to me were that I wasn't judging people by Mm. someone else's standard anymore. Yeah. Like I could judge people based on my own internal values. Yeah. Not on values I was told I should have, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, So, so that's been great (laughs) and definitely feeling freer and not having to police my thoughts as much and mm-hmm. um and my actions and being like no you can't do this you can't do this you have to do this Welcome to the Face Transition Podcast. In this episode, I have an honest conversation with Kimmelin Paulson. She shares with us her experience being adopted and raised by Caucasian, devoted Mormon parents in Utah. She shares her struggles carving her identity in the midst of people who do not look like her. She strives to conform, which took a toll on her mental health. She shares her LDS mission experience in the South where she found herself a minority as a Mormon and also struggled with um, her anxiety uh, and depression. Kimberlyn shares her face transition story as she realizes that she had shelved many issues, including overt racism in leaders' writings. She read the CS letter and that was the last straw for her, decided to come out to the world on Facebook announcing that she had chosen to depart from the LDS church to find her authentic self. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did having that conversation with Kimelin. Kimelin, welcome to the Face Transition Podcast. I'm super happy that you wanted to be a part of this. I'm trying to definitely make the podcast more diverse, so I'm super excited that you... Uh, we're willing to come on and share your stories with our listeners, and um, I know it's going to be it's going to be exciting and and very interesting. And so, yes, thank you for being here today. I'm really excited to be here. I I was really uh, surprised when you invited me, but um, I'm happy to to be here and be a guest. <laughs> awesome. So just to go back down to history a little bit, I met Kimelin briefly. In November, when I went to the Thrive Salt Lake Gathering uh, in November, which was quite something else, and, and you can you can find that on the Mormon Stories. You can also find it um, on YouTube. Uh, it's out there. So if you Google, you know, Thrive November Salt Lake City, and so I guess you had volunteered to help out, uh, kind of set up the conference. Yeah, yeah. I had um, learned about the the conference pretty soon after I announced that I was going to be leaving the church. And I'd been looking for resources in a community and I found out they were doing the Thrive Conference. And so I had um, emailed and just asked if they needed help. So who did you email? So I... I can't exactly remember who it was I emailed. I think I just found um, one of those like contact us and then I had sent it in and then 
someone got back to me and was like, oh, thank you so much. And they told me to, what time to be there and when to meet and where, or where to meet. And mm-hmm. um, I was able to help out and it was an amazing experience. I'm so glad I was able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite something else. That's, that's very nice. So, and we'll come back to, to that and to, to your first transition, but I kind of, you know, for our listeners who don't know who you are, I'd like you to introduce yourself a little bit, maybe I'll say who you are, where you're from, a little bit of your story, um, maybe with the church, if you were born into it or grew up in it, your family, you know, if your family's active and all of that. So a little bit of a bio here. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so I was adopted when I was just a few days old. Um, I was born in Georgia, and um, my parents, who are white, and they adopted me and brought me back here to Utah. And I have three older brothers and a younger sister, and my younger sister is also adopted and black. And so we were raised in the church in a, a small town where it was very Mormon here in Utah. And so just grew up in that small town. Can you, can you say where, or is it, can you say where it, it is in Utah or is it a little too personal? <laughs> I mean, it's Ephraim, Utah. Okay. So my dad was a professor at Snow College. Yeah. Oh, what, did he, what did he teach? Uh, he taught courtship and marriage and home and family studies. Interesting. Interesting. So you grew up there, and so were were you and your, your younger sister adopted at the same time, or? Oh, we were adopted about um, fifteen months apart. We're okay. about fifteen months apart in age as well. So pretty close. So you you grew up together. Um, mm-hmm. So how how was that? I'm sure you know a lot of people have asked you. You know, I'm, I'm guessing, but how was it to to grow up as? a black person, African-American with a white family in Utah, which is predominantly white, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have really anything to compare it to, but it was, it was interesting. I feel like I was, became very self-aware at a young age because I was aware of so many people of, of being so different from everyone mm-hmm. else around me. So I always had this feeling of that people were watching me. And so I had to be very aware of what I was doing and how it reflected on me and how it would reflect on, on black people in general. Um, Mm. And I think that my sister and I handled it very different, very differently. She kind of ended up acting out and I ended up like going the opposite direction and becoming very quiet and Mm non-confrontational. More introverted. But you say your sister, she, at, at what age did she start to like realize, you know, oh, we're different and want to do her own thing, I'm guessing? Well, it was, it was like puberty, you know, um, 12, 13, and mm-hmm. um, had very turbulent <laughs> teenager, teenage years. And I thought that I had to be the good one and Mm -hmm. so I was really quiet and um, didn't want to rock the boat or anything and I just kind of went into myself and was not um, tried not to be very present (laughs) I guess yeah yeah that's that's interesting and so did your sister end up leaving the church like earlier on or 
Well, she, um, well, she ended up going, she was going to a, a kind of a church boarding school. And so mm. she, she's kind of in and out of the church, I would say. Like she, yeah, <laughs> that's probably the best way to put it. So to this day, like she still believes it. Um, yeah, but- yeah, well, it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of yeah getting what you're you're saying like i mean of course you have those ties with your family your community that you you don't want to hurt yet she's probably going through some kind of internal struggles as to who she wants to to be and and how she wants to show up in the world and it's not easy to make those decisions because there is a lot of impact there is a lot of hurt feelings, people affected. And so, so you grew up in Ephraim and then you went to, to high school there. And then did you go to college also nearby or did to snow college or did you choose some, somewhere else? Yeah. So I did end up going to snow college. I had a rough time with college because I um, struggled with like my mental health. So I struggled Mm -hmm. with like depression and social anxiety. And Mm so I, didn't do very well in college um, and I, those issues weren't really addressed for me. And so <laughs> I eventually stopped going to school and then I went on a mission because I thought that would fix everything. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So where did you go on a mission? I served in Mississippi. Oh, wow. Yeah. How was that? <laughs> How was that? Oh, that was an experience um <laughs> I bet I want, I want to hear it I want to hear it <laughs> yeah so it was it was really uh it was rough because I mean like I said I dealt with depression and anxiety and at that time I wasn't I didn't re- really realize that's what the issue was and so mm. I wasn't like medicated and I wasn't like in therapy or anything um and so I had a lot of trouble with the mission life Which is very regimented, very regulated, and yes, add some definite tension. Yeah, if you're already struggling uh, with these things, the the mission is not it's not helping. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did not. (laughs) It was really, it was um, it was a struggle, and um, added to that was, of course, um, being black in a southern environment. they probably wondered what what are you doing girl like you're supposed to be on our side what's going yeah, on yeah 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 so it was did you was encounter a lot, lot of baptists did you oh my gosh yes so many <laughs> so many yeah it was great did, did you did you feel equipped to like talk to them or what was your what was your mission presence approach um because we were to like just kind of testify but not argue with them and not try to like what what would you do? Yeah, so um, mainly what we were supposed to do was to express that. So, like, if if we came across like a Baptist and they were, they would a lot of the times they would tell us like, "Oh yeah, my preacher told me about you guys, and um, we're not supposed to talk to you guys or, or mm-hmm, something like mm-hmm, that." You know, mm-hmm. we, but um, we try to explain to them that we. We're here speaking for um, Jesus Christ. We have a, another book to add to the Bible. We don't. We do believe in the Bible. A lot of people didn't realize that um, and that Mormons believe in the Bible, and um, so we would just try and find common ground with them in Jesus Christ. 
Mm-hmm. And did it work with some people or? It did, but um, it would depend on, on um, how much they would speak with their pastor about us right. or with other people or do their own research or whatever, because right. um, there were so many times when we would meet somebody and then um, they would be great and they'd be fine. And they'd be like, yeah, this is great. And then um, we'd go back a few days later and they'd be like, actually, no, I'm not interested anymore. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They would, they would probably hear some back, back stories that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, dang. That, that, that would have been hard. Yes. To, to be out there in, in, in the South where they're, they're very believing already. Mm-hmm. And so you did, you finished your mission or did you come home earlier? I did end up coming home early about mm-hmm. four months early. Um, and that is an interesting um, situation. I had been, well, I had been struggling like the entire time. And mm-hmm. so this is, so about four months before I was set to go home, my mission president kind of called me and told me that he thought it was time for me to go home. <laughs> okay. and, and I um, had been like trying really hard to, you know, work with what I could. And um, yes. so it kind of felt like, uh, what do you call it? Like a dishonorable discharge, <laughs> kind uh, of. Yeah. You know, were you, and were you like, just very disappointed? So you were not looking forward to it. You were kind of yeah, disappointed. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really disappointed, and it felt like. And a thing too that was very, that's interesting that adds to this is that there was a lot of disobedience in the in the mission from mm-hmm. like the other missionaries and stuff. And I tried it really hard to be obedient, but every you know it is what it is and um uh, so I was so I felt um bad that I was being sent home when I was trying so hard to be good when there were other missionaries who who you knew were were breaking the rules and so what do you think triggered that like that he would send you like um what what do you think triggered that was it that you were staying home because you were not well like or you didn't get along with good companions like what it was it was that? those it was I feel like both of those were were big um factors in in his decision and that he <laughs> it's interesting too because um he mentioned that he had spoken to my previous companions about me and mm. that they had said things that made him decide to send me home and I didn't get to find out like who it was or what they'd said oh, so wow. that felt kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah that's horrible that's horrible but in the end I guess now yeah. that you're out you're like well that's yep, less people that, I <laughs> yeah yeah for I sure talk to. so <laughs> wow but yeah I've I've seen a lot of trauma you know due to the mission I I personally had I enjoyed my mission because I was very much 100% in and you know mm-hmm. I I had a good time on Temple Square and whatnot like but mm-hmm. I've, I've seen many struggle with men- mental health issues and just, you know, the mission being not a place where they should have been just because of where they were at, you know? Yeah. And I've seen parents pushing their kids to just kind of hold on and stay there. And and they were really ha- struggling and having a hard time. And yeah. that to me was, I would call that abuse because if you're not 
suited or fit to be there like but i think since my time like the rules have changed and i think oh they, yeah they've uh, changed they, a lot they, they are being more careful about people you know mental health and even general health before they send them like it's i think they've put a lot more in place now which is a good mm-hmm. thing so what happened when you got back like were you able to kind of bounce back or was it just difficult for a while because of being in utah and just the stigma that goes along with coming home early and i mean it is it seems like the whole culture the whole community is just kind of set up to not help this process mm-hmm. you know when people are sent home early or whatnot like you you come home and it's like you still continue to feel bad because everyone wonders and wants to know why and it's just this big thing so how did you navigate through that Yeah, so I was lucky in that it was only four months before, so mm-hmm. not many people were really even aware that I had gotten mm-hmm. come home early. Mm-hmm. So my main issue was um, myself and mm-hmm. working with my own thoughts and my own feelings about it. Um, mm-hmm. And it ended up being really challenging. I struggled more with depression. I had anxiety attacks like in church where I couldn't oh. stay in church because oh. it was oh. so it's overwhelming. Yeah. 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 And so that was a challenge for a while. But then I ended up moving to Provo for a year and was able to start getting an idea of who I wanted to be on my own and kind of, you know, away from my family and from my parents, um, from those kinds of uh, strict roles that I felt yeah. like I had to be in at home. And then then I was, after that year, I realized I didn't really like Provo <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> very much, that it was, it had a very defined kind of culture. Um, yeah. Like yeah, either were sure. you going to were you going to BYU or were you just I wasn't there? in school. I was just living there. Um, yeah, I was in BYU that, housing, but <laughs> yes, yeah, so because that that makes a difference, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, see, I I I was fine and I felt good when I was there because I was a BYU student. Yeah, and I was exactly. Just kind of in the bubble. And, yeah, if you not if you're outside of the bubble, I'm sure it's like a different perspective too to see mm-hmm. you know to try to to fit in and you you don't really fit in. So were yeah. you just working or like were you, did you just yeah, have roommates? Yeah, I was working and, mm-hmm. and had roommates and yeah. So I was most, I think it was mostly just a chance for me to live on my own for kind of the first time right. away from my parents. Mm-hmm. And so that and was it was really kind good. of a safer, safer environment still. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it was Some, still somewhat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somewhat, depending on who you hang out with. But yeah. compared to the rest of the world, yes, exactly. It's, so it's still pretty much a bubble. <laughs> it is very. Yeah, it is a bubble. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. But then, yeah, so then, then I moved to Salt Lake. Um, okay. And that's where I am right now, and I've been able to. I feel like blossom a lot more, become more of who I really want to be <laughs> yeah i mean for for utah salt lake is probably the mo- the more that di- most diverse place since you know they have a lot of non-members as well and just all sorts of people so that that would probably help so you've been in salt lake for how many years now um let's see two years um or two years i think coming on three actually okay yeah that would that would take you just right above almost to coming back like from your mission right like you were about mm-hmm. 22 or so yeah time goes by fast doesn't it it does <laughs> <laughs> did you choose to go to college in salt lake or 
Yeah, I decided not to um, because I was still trying to figure out if I could handle it, (laughs) Uh Mm -hmm. you know, um, after everything that had I'd struggled with previously. So I've just been working kind of different, working several different jobs and um, taking different opportunities. I feel like it's been (laughs) it's been a a journey for sure, but um, it's been really great to be in a place where there are so many different people and so many uh, different opportunities so that I have had a chance to actually kind of question what I was raised with and Mm. the the things that I was raised to see as normal or things I was raised to see as bad or any of that and just kind of take a look at it for myself. So and that journey started when you moved to Salt Lake where you started to really try to kind of question your foundation. So you you didn't do that like right after the mission. What triggered it? Yeah. So, I mean, like I've always had, I guess, items on the shelf, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. as they say, um, you know, being black in the church, you can't not have, you know, that as something that you think about and, and uh, ask questions about. Um, but I was always one who would ask questions and look for answers. And I've discovered Fair Mormon pretty early on in my teenage mm-hmm. years. Oh, and wow. So whenever I had questions, I would go there and mm-hmm. they would, you know, explain it. And um, I thought that that was fine, that that was, you know. That was good, good enough for you at the time. Yeah, yeah. Did you um, ever I, ask your parents about, you know, these kind of questions? Or? Oh, no. <laughs> no? No. I, um, I don't know. I, I, it never felt like they were, those kinds of questions were okay. So oh, I had really? to find my own answers. So would you say that your parents were like, like ultra-Orthodox Mormon? For like, sure. Where, you know, if you don't know the answer, you know, mysteries of god the prophet will tell us when it's time let's not mm-hmm. dig into that okay definitely okay. definitely mm-hmm. yeah it was more of yeah so i couldn't i didn't feel like i could go to them with questions um mm. in in those areas at all um but you know the internet was a thing that yeah. i was lucky enough to have so yeah <laughs> I, and yeah. i feel like that's um something that is changing a lot of um, minds and absolutely like in these times because uh, you know as we do have questions we can go to the internet and Mm -hmm. it's all there (laughs) it's all there and more people are talking about their experiences and you find people who have similar experiences that you know you don't know them they don't know you but yet you're going through the same thing and so it validates what Mm -hmm. your experience and I think that's definitely a huge struggle for the church because they can't deny someone's mm-hmm. experience, you know, uh, just yeah. like they don't like to have the, the testimonies question. You can't also, you can't question someone's experience. And yeah. so, so you went to the internet and then you started getting answers to some of the questions you had. So, yeah, so I was getting answers and then, you know, also discovering stuff that I didn't know about, you know, like, uh, like Joseph Smith and polygamy or like, um, you know, Brigham Young's racism or like, you know, those kinds of things that I didn't know about. And I was discovering them and being like, oh, but I mean, 
the church is still true, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And until, yeah, until I moved here to Salt Lake and started like interacting with more people who were outside of the Mormon bubble that I really started realizing that more people than just the Mormons believe they have the truth. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. And yes. like if, if many people can um, feel that they have the truth, if many people can receive inspiration from their God, then why should that mean that there is only one true church? Why should that mean, you know, and then the thing that one of the things that also happened about that time was the church reversed their policy on the children of LGBT, of lesbian and gay couples. Mm-hmm. And for me that <laughs> I, I remember being really shocked and confused because I was like, that they, had, that, that they had made a decision and then came back to the yeah. decision. Yes. When they're yeah. supposed to be like super inspired at all times. And yeah. That, yeah. And, it, mm-hmm. and I was, I was glad that they'd reversed the decision mm-hmm. because it was a terrible decision, Absolutely. but I, I was you, confused because um, you questioned thought, the authority. Exactly. The, the inspiration, I should say. Yeah. Exactly. And so it was around that time that I started really rethinking everything. And then I finally read the CES letter. And that oh. was kind of the last straw for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had heard about it, but then like... I'd heard of... about it. Yeah. But I hadn't mm-hmm. ever actually read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... That will do it. That's gonna <laughs> put nail on the coffin. It's it's hard to it's hard to come back and to, to try to justify that and, and all the justifications are just so not solid, you know, with mm-hmm. with all of it. So once you once you start digging there, it's yeah. And there's just a lot of issues. So then at that point, how do you live that? I mean, is it hard? Is it a relief? Is it uh, how was the and I'm sure, I mean, you're still kind of going through through it because it's not something that you kind of shed overnight, especially when, you know, you, you were born in it, you grew up in it. Like, how has your transition been? So it's been interesting. So when I first started having thoughts and questions, thoughts that I was going to leave the church, um, I started writing up kind of a letter to, like, my parents to kind of explain because I knew that I wouldn't be able to just say it because I would, my thoughts would get too tangled up and confused or whatever. So I just wanted something physical Mm -hmm. that I could say. And Mm -hmm. on the day that I read the CES letter, I um, kind of went back and edited that a little bit and then posted it on my Facebook. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So you, you, you did the Facebook before you even told your parents? Oh, wait, no, look, I had, I, sorry, I had, um, texted the, the letter to my parents and to post it on Facebook. So they read it first and then I posted it on Facebook. Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) What was the reaction? Like, how did they take it? Um, they were, they were upset, um, obviously, and, and, um, you know, they still are are struggling with it, but they, they're, they've been very respectful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when I, like when I'm there for, they, they would ask if I wanted to join them for family prayer or, you know, they, 
they still ask, but there's, they're not expecting a yes, you know, like it's okay, okay if I say no. <laughs> mm, and do you, I mean, do you, mm -hmm. do you, you don't want to, to participate in family prayers? And Depends. Like, like mm -hmm. sometimes it's fine. And sometimes I'm just not interested at the yes. moment, you know? <laughs> yeah, yes. No, I can totally, totally. No, I, I get it. Um, but it's good. I mean, it's good that they respect your your position. Have they asked any questions as to, I mean, I guess the letter, do you think they read the CS letter or they just... Oh, no. <laughs> they, they, they just because it's all anti. So, I mean, it's scary. Yeah. It is scary. Yeah. I can't, you can't blame them because it's, it's a big uh, jump when you're going to yeah. uh, decide to, you know. But yeah. But that to me is always... To this day very very puzzling the fear of knowledge and information especially when you claim to have you know the one and only truth and mm -hmm. like why should you be afraid of information like because if if the information is false it shouldn't move you or shake you yeah exactly like so I, <laughs> I don't get that there there's that that fear there of of not of actually finding something that they don't want to find. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it, it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder. But yeah, I can, I can understand because I think people deep down know, so maybe even subconsciously, that if they do find out something that shakes their world, drastic change is going to, you know, oh. follow. Yes. Uh, it's that, that idea that it's so life-changing and mm -hmm. not, not mm -hmm. ready for that <laughs> yes yes yeah and so that's understandable but at the same time I guess I don't know I will say some people just really care about the truth and really care about <laughs> true mm -hmm. facts and true knowledge and yeah don't yeah and I feel like sit in their comfort zone so all right so what about your siblings like how have they taken you know you leaving like are they wondering asking like what how has your relationship been with that so yeah no no questions um it's just kind of uh i don't know kind of an awkward thing that we don't talk about um like the few times that i've been with my siblings since i made the announcement like there hasn't really been we just don't talk about it. It's like, just. It's just ignore the big elephant. In the yeah, world. exactly. Wow. That's, that's, <laughs> that's so strange. So, and I guess, except for your younger sister, they're all older than you, your siblings. Yeah. So yeah. they have kids and whatnot. Mm -hmm. like, and um, do, do you all get along? Like, do, do they? Yeah, yeah, we get along pretty well. Um, <laughs> I've had a little bit of a, a rocky relationship with um, one of my brothers, um, just because of our different like political views but I don't know he he's trying really hard to like be understanding it so yeah it's, you know. it's a different, yeah it's a different it's a different story it's a different journey I guess they can't fully relate to to mm -hmm. you and your experience I mean they're trying mm -hmm. to I'm sure they're trying to be empathetic and compassionate but it's still not your experience yeah would you say that now that you moved to Salt Lake, you, you feel more like, you know, people around you are more understanding, accepting, whatnot, like making friends is a bit easier? Yeah, I feel like um, it's easier just for the fact that I feel more comfortable in my own skin that 
you know, I don't have to be pretending to be something that I'm not. Like I can mm-hmm. present myself as I am and mm-hmm. be fine with people accepting or rejecting me. Whereas before I would, I was trying to achieve some kind of ideal that I knew I wasn't. And so mm-hmm. I felt awful about myself all the time. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just finished a discussion with Spencer Nugent. I don't know if you know mm, him. Yeah. Do you do you know him? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so and he, he shares this similar feelings, you know, from you know, being in Utah, growing up there, being a black person, you know, double minority now that he's out and, and he chose to stay in his little town where mm. he's he's at so he's not in salt lake he is in one of those down and I, I don't know how he does it but <laughs> yeah I, I can't go i can't <laughs> it's, yeah it's, it's pretty it's it's interesting but at the same time he does say that you know if everybody leaves and people around there don't get a chance to also evolve and see something different and learn but you got to be mm-hmm. pretty strong to do yeah, that yeah you but definitely I, do like it's i it's totally admire it <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that, you know, you seem to be at a good place now where, I mean, it's still, I'm sure uh, it, it's a journey. Like, it's not like one day everything is, is settled and, and you, you probably still ask questions and whatnot. But you, but did you have like a really hard realization? Oh my gosh, this is all not true. And like, did it hurt? Like, was it just like, oh, I'm just relieved that I can be me and myself? How would you, how would you define? describe like how once you realize you know this is not where I want to be this is not who I am how did you live that so it was a relief I feel like for sure you know I I felt a relief that I didn't have to think that gay people were going to hell anymore (laughs) Mm, yeah I feel like a lot of the things that meant the most to me were that I wasn't judging people by mm. someone else's standard anymore. Yeah. Like I could judge people based on my own internal values. Yeah. Values I was told I should have. If that makes yeah. sense. Absolutely. Um, so so that's been great. <laughs> and definitely feeling freer and not having to police my thoughts as much and Mm -hmm. um and my actions and being like no you can't do this you can't do this you have to do this like right you just the the mental (laughs) gymnastic is exactly it's yeah it's a lot how how long has it been now how many years since I guess it's not even because it's it's pretty recent for you yeah it was it was last October so we're still I mean, last October was when I announced I was, I had been out mentally for most of the summer last year. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, it's so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's not that long at all, Mm -mm. you know, with all the garments, like dressing a certain way and whatnot, like, was it just like all at once you were like, okay, I can do whatever I want now. Or it kind of <laughs> were you was, kinda like... <laughs> but at the same time, it, it wasn't like, I know um, that for some people it's as soon as they, they leave, it's like, oh, well now I'm going to go out and, and drink and have sex and all the things, you know? Um, but I, 
feel like because I'm, I was a little older when I left, like I wasn't um, as, and because I've always been more of a like careful, <laughs> thoughtful person, like overthinker <laughs> that yes. I um, went, uh, went into it with more, being more careful. Caution. Yeah, yeah. More, more caution. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that age has nothing to do with anything. Like people will go crazy no matter what age they are. Some people <laughs> will, some people won't, but like it has nothing to do with age. It has more to do with, I think, realizing, oh my gosh, I didn't do all these things, you know, I missed out. And so mm. they like, <laughs> want to do everything. And I did a little bit of that, not too much, not too crazy, but yeah, it's it's nice to know that yeah you can do whatever you want but then Mm -hmm. you also have to be careful with that so yeah (laughs) because the consequences are what they are like I mean and I'm not talking like spiritual consequence I'm talking real consequences in this (laughs) life like you will get sick or you will get you know bad things will happen if you're not (laughs) yeah being smart about things so yeah But it's it's nice. It's to me, it was a little bit dizzying, like all the freedom mm. and all the knowing that I could do, I could really do whatever I want. Like it's when you have had so many boundaries and so many rules, and it's it's a bit dizzying because it's like, oh my goodness, what do I do with all that freedom now? You know. Mm-hmm. So um, to switch gear a little bit, so where are you at spiritually now? Like, have you decided or found your spiritual path or? How would you describe that? So I don't think I have quite yet. Like, and I, I've become okay with the idea that it's something I'll be figuring out for like the rest of my life. More like I a think, quest kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like the journey. <laughs> I think I'm comfortable with the label of agnostic. So mm-hmm. like, that I believe that there's something out there, but I'm not comfortable defining it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I've actually been reading um, Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. Yeah. And she talks about the knowing. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. and um, I, I feel like that describes it perfectly that there's yeah. a knowing inside all of us and we just need to follow that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That book, that book's pretty amazing, Untamed. Very, mm-hmm. very raw and real I like that mm-hmm. yeah I like that a lot so good <laughs> awesome so what have what have been some of your discoveries that you've been excited to just discover because you allowed yourself to look there um something that I really love is just supporting the LGBTQ plus community mm-hmm. and being mm-hmm. able to champion their rights and their lives and just being able to be someone that says you know loves them unconditionally because that's what everyone needs and they're Mm -hmm. such a marginalized group and they deserve so much more than what they're receiving and I feel like especially from different religious groups that claim to love but then aren't really showing that action yeah that's great i'm I'm really excited to hear that because uh, i know there are a lot especially in salt lake right now there i know there are a lot of uh, lgbtq plus people i'm aware of the people who are doing things to help the community some of them which is great and yeah there's a need for it because on the other side are all the people who just you know 
think that they're less than really. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really neat. I, it was a big awakening for me too, when I started digging and, and, and one of the reasons that also pushed me out of the church, like when I discovered their experiences, especially growing up in environments where, Mm -hmm. yeah, they can't even be themselves or, you know, they have to hide in their own families. And it's, it's a very heart-wrenching reality when you look into it but a lot of people choose not to because it's too hard or too foreign or you know yeah so yeah and it's there's still a lot that I feel like I don't understand but at least I've definitely opened up and you know spoken up when I could and and I've got some in my own family so (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. that makes me happy that you've found something that you want to be a part of you know as far as pushing forward that is great and I also wanted to ask you how did you and it's still maybe a little bit ongoing not as bad but like how did you live like the whole you know upheaval after George Floyd's murder and like how does that how have you been and and being in Salt Lake and being you know in Utah where tell me how how it's been? Yeah, it has been a lot. Um, luckily, um, I have really amazing friends who are really aware of, of me and have reached, um, like, especially during those first few weeks when it was really, really rough. I got a lot of support, you know, people reaching out and making sure I was okay and like, and I was able to also do that for, for my friends in, in, you know, similar situations. But, and it's also been rough because, like, I do still struggle a bit with um, social anxiety. It can be hard for me to, like, get out in groups of people. But mm-hmm. um, I've been able to participate in ways, like, online. I've been able to write posts for people to see and um, engage with because like a lot of the people in my sphere of influence are more sheltered when it comes mm-hmm. to that kind of a thing and, and you know I have a lot of like white friends and family members who don't really understand this stuff and so I've been able to kind of help educate and explain for them and then um, so just trying to be more of uh, a voice that <laughs> people have, you know, a touchstone, um, a personal connection to um, all these issues. Yeah, I mean, it's a different thing to navigate this with the community that you are attached to, mm-hmm. people who are probably somewhat detached, I mean, want to care and, and things, but yet it's not something that touched them directly. And so yeah. it's hard to fully understand empathize or even understand why people are going you know taking the to the street to to fight for these kind of things yeah I can only imagine and that again that's a discussion that I was having with uh Spencer when we were mm-hmm. talking because clearly he's also in the midst of a lot of white people and maybe, yeah. maybe some care some don't and so but he for him it's it's such a huge reality too being a you know a black man and and you know sometimes fearing for his own life yeah. and having people around that are oblivious to that must be very very hard but again yeah it's up to 
to us to also, like you say, like share our experiences and educate. And that's why I like to do these podcasts as well. I'm not one to go out. I'm a bit of a germaphobe to begin with, but like, so I haven't gone to any protests or whatnot. I was super impressed with some of my friends who went, um, some of my, my white friends who went and with COVID and everything else. But yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. And I think that slowly but surely change will come. And so that's what's also hopeful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel like we're, we're getting there. Yeah. So it seems like you are able to carve your way. You seem pretty at peace, I would say. Um, you don't seem to dis- disturb because, I mean, I've, I've talked to people who were very distraught still, still very much in pain. Like, it seems like you've found ways to, um, to heal in a way. So, yeah. What, what are some of the things you've done to kind of help yourself grow, you know, in this new direction? Um, something that has always been important for me has been journaling. Um, so just getting my thoughts out on paper in a way I can go back and look at and um, kind of take from what I've already <laughs> already experienced or gone through. Then obviously just having a good support, support system of people who um, I can express <laughs> those feelings and those emotions and, and questions too. And then also just, you know, with that, knowing that I'm not alone, I'm not the only person going through this. And, you know, the community of Thrive has been like really amazing to just have a group of people that, you know, understand. <laughs> wow. So are you going there like on Sundays and things there? Um, no, I haven't been, they, they haven't been having them. Yeah, that's right. COVID it's, it's COVID, but do you have like Zoom I'm meeting part or something? The, or? I'm part on like the, the Facebook groups and stuff. Okay. And just uh, that kind of a thing. And then I have a really good friend. She actually reached out to me after I had made my announcement. Um, I've actually connected with a lot of people after I made my announcement. A lot of people reached out to me and were like, um, you know, thank you for sharing. And um, people were like, I'm going through a similar thing. And um, so there was a lot of, of people reaching out to me after I said I was leaving the church and they were, they've been very supportive and um, just having, you know, um, people who are trying to understand and who are understanding and just a, my own little community, I guess, mm-hmm. you know of friends and family members who, who care them in that way. That's great. I mean, that's really, really great because it's, it's so important to feel like, you know, you have a little bit of a community, you know, after leaving a, a huge one that even if it wasn't a great fit, it was still your community. So um, I'm glad that you have that. Um, it's, again, also for your mental health, it's super mm-hmm. important that you have that no do you have roommates where you are you are no I don't I actually live by myself and you're okay with that like you'd rather like sometimes roommates can be a little (laughs) (laughs) at some point you're like past that stage you're like yeah yeah I'd rather not share anything anymore (laughs) until (laughs) I'm married or something (laughs) yeah I feel like that's kind of where I'm at (laughs) okay yeah no I get it I get it 
So as long as, you know, like you said, it seems like you have, you have good, good friends and, you know, good community mm-hmm. and whatnot. So that's good. Like as long as you're not lonely and. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've definitely had periods where I have been, haven't felt um, part of a of community or felt like I could talk with people or, or that kind of thing. And that's been awful mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. very, very bad for my mental health. But yeah, because everyone needs a place to go when, um, you know, when they feel bad or sad and just have Absolutely. someone else they can talk to. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, one more question I have for you is if you were to counsel or, or give advice to people going through this or transition or whatnot, like what would you tell them, you know, because it seems that for you, it hasn't, you haven't had crisis mode. Like it was, it, it seems like you've been sailing through it smoothly, like just kind of taking, filling up layers. And I'm sure there's ups and downs and moments where, you know, there's more tension and whatnot, but so what would you say to them, like people who are transitioning now? I think one of the most important things is that you have to trust yourself. Like you have to trust that you know what is the best decision for yourself. Um, because we all have something inside us that tells us who we are, who we are and what we need. And if we just follow that, we are going to um, come out on top. We're going to be all right. And just trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's super important. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, this is, it's a beautiful story. I didn't know what to expect. Really, everybody, everyone has a bit of a different transition story, right? I mean, there are similar mm-hmm. points, there are similar things with the discovery and whatnot, but how we react to it, how we take it, it's, it's very different from one person to another. And I'm really glad that you seem to be at a good place. Like you, you, you seem stable, like you've, you found your gearings and even though it's, not like it's over, like you, you're still yeah, on that journey, yeah. but it makes me happy because it also definitely will give hope to people who are maybe not as stable and still very much struggling. Um, and it seems like you manage your family relationships pretty well. Like you just, I guess, yeah, I let it be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like um, considering from what I gather, you have you know, some pretty orthodox um, believing family members. And so mm-hmm. the fact that you are able to still have communication with them and that it's not super painful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm sure uncomfortable at times, but that's, I mean, it's a good thing because it's, we have to, you know, I, I think it's important to whenever we can maintain those relationships with these people we love. So regardless mm-hmm. of, the difference in beliefs so it, it saddens me when people are shunning or not wanting to talk to anymore or feel like because you left you like this evil influence yeah. for everybody else kind of thing yeah, I've been yeah. very lucky that way mm-hmm. that my family isn't shunning me <laughs> yeah so that is great so maybe what are your hopes for the future uh and this is pretty general I'm talking about you know not just spiritually, but like just even 
what's going on in the country, you know, with um, COVID and whatnot, like, which I haven't even asked you, like, how you cope with that, like, the whole, <laughs> it's, I don't know if I'm wrong, but it seems like in Salt Lake or in Utah, it's almost like they don't think it's, like, happening to them or something, like, they're very much, like, is that, am I wrong or is no, that? No, you're right. People are very much going about life as usual. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. Um, it's How's the great. mask thing? Like, do people even wear masks over there? Or? People, most, like, um, where I've been, um, I've seen most people wear, wear masks. So That's there good. is at least that. <laughs> at least they are doing that. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, they aren't um, like, in my in the town um where I'm from like I just went down and visited this last weekend and they are not it's like um not even a thing (laughs) like they're they're not wearing masks over there no no and college is starting this the end of this month uh, snow college and Mm -hmm. they are starting and going for it and it's like yeah there's like no restrictions or nothing (laughs) Well, good luck. I hope that, you know, they, I mean, I hope that they are fine and that, you know, nothing spreads over there because maybe it won't, but it's good to be careful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would rather A lot of people thought it would not (laughs) touch them and in the end it did. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. So what's, (laughs) what's your hope for the future? So I would say um, my hope for the future is just that we can all better understand each other and try to understand where we're all coming from and how we can all live more happily and treat each other more like brothers and sisters and, you know, truly treat each other Mm -hmm. with love and not just, you know, um, say (laughs) that we love people, but actually show it. Well, that's a beautiful message, Kimberlyn. I have the same hopes. Thank you for, for coming on. I'm excited to, to share this with the world. I think it might help some people who need to hear this. So thank you for opening up. I think every time someone shares their story, you know, you're helping someone else have the courage to do the same. So thank you. Thank you. I really and appreciated this. 